Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I am Meg. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. We are coming to you on Wednesday as we have some news here on today's show with Megan Burke of the NWCL Players Association and former player Mana Shim joining me to discuss a new initiative from the Players Association as my guest. More on that in a minute. It's also maybe question mark the last week of big news here in the NWSL of the year we've got the expansion draft slated for Thursday the trade window reopening on Friday and then the college draft set for Saturday and then maybe if we are all lucky I like all my fingers are crossed everyone takes a long breather for the holidays I think we all deserve it all right before I fill you in on all of the news and we get to the rest of today's episode as always to show your support of full-time plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else the athletic has to offer on our site and app you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full-time our best deal available is always at that url all right let's dig into some of the recent news as it has just been never never ending as always, it feels like. But I'll just rewind us back to Monday and cover the events of just honestly the past couple of days because even the last 48 hours or so have been absurd. All right, first Monday was the due date for the reply brief from the player's side in their appeal of the equal pay lawsuit and summary judgment. Now, you didn't probably see too, too much about this as the document was really more of a procedural thing. And really, these reply briefs can't even really, they're not supposed to introduce new evidence beyond what was already introduced in the original lawsuit. So there's really just one key thing for you to keep in mind in terms of new content just so far in the appeal process overall. It was all of those amicus briefs filed a while ago as the supporting arguments were allowed to make new points. But also on Monday, the Federation and U.S. Women's National Team Players Association announced an extension of the current collective bargaining agreement via what's called a Memorandum of Understanding through March 31st of 2022. Now, it's not that surprising. U.S. Soccer President Cindy Parlo-Cohn had already acknowledged earlier this month that it was not likely to get done ahead of the original deadline of December 31st, right? This CBA ran from 2017 until December 31st, 2021. So now the two sides get a another three months to wrap up a deal. Now, the bigger part of this statement that came through on Monday is that these two sides have already agreed to the end of the allocation system for U.S. soccer to pay the salaries of U.S. national team players in the NWSL. So a, a allocated player, that concept is now gone. It's been expected for a while, but now all teams are going to have to make the move to sign players directly within the constraints of their salary caps, but it also means that the previous limit of U.S. players going abroad within the actual terms of the CBA has ended. So that means the NWSL is going to have to step up to keep players here in the United States. Now, considering how the last year has gone, 
there is probably some more work to be done here. All right, as I reported last week, Alex Morgan is headed to San Diego with the team making it official on Monday afternoon, though they did not announce the terms of the trade with the Orlando Pride. So here's the fun part. Technically, this trade actually cannot get done until December 17th, Friday, when the window reopens. So there's almost certainly a fine incoming from the league for announcing a trade ahead of time on San Diego's part, but Orlando Pride did what they could to avoid their own liability in Monday's announcement via their statement, which read, The Orlando Pride has worked with forward Alex Morgan to secure a trade that is mutually beneficial for the club's future success and Alex's goals, both personal and professional. The Pride are extremely appreciative of the professionalism and commitment that Alex has shown the club over the last six seasons and respect her desire to play closer to family at this point in her career. With the NWSL trade window currently closed, the Pride will continue to follow both club and league policies and will make a formal announcement when the transaction is official and timing is appropriate. So, Orlando Pride is very much in the I'm just here so I don't get fined sort of energy. On Tuesday, the NWSL announced a new deal with cryptocurrency brokerage firm Voyager, which is a multi-year sponsorship that has players receiving their cut of what's called a player fund via individual crypto accounts, plus another 12 players, one per team, sponsored to act as brand ambassadors, plus a little bit more. Now, the sponsorship was definitely divisive, though, to be fair, I, I did not see much in terms of player reactions to see how they feel about the sponsorship. It is going to be a hard line for the NWSL to walk, though, with the existing fan base just does not seem very convinced by the trend across the sports landscape to embrace cryptocurrency or NFTs, right? But they there is potential to bring in new fans via the deal. But add in the optics of this player fund at the same time, collective bargaining negotiations are still ongoing. Even the theme of today's episode where we've got an emergency fund being put into place, there's a lot here. Pablo and I had the latest on the Washington Spirit on Tuesday as well with the announcement that an ownership group led by retail executive and philanthropist Jennifer Tepper McKessie and Los Angeles Dodgers Sparks and Lakers co-owner Todd Boley has entered exclusive negotiations to purchase a, quote, controlling interest in the Washington Spirit. This is Steve Baldwin's share, though we reported that Michelle Kang has also increased her offer for the team up to 35 million dollars. Plenty more on that at The Athletic with the link in the show notes for you. It's it's very much still ongoing. It's going to be very interesting if we see this deal get done ahead of the end of the year, but that is obviously the intention from the NWSL side. Finally, the list of players who have registered for Saturday's NWSL draft was released on Tuesday with some key names in the mix like FSU's Jalen Howell, Stanford's Naomi Gurma, and USCLA's Mia Official. That list is on the league website for you to peruse ahead of the draft. All right. So for today's show, NWSL Player Association Executive Director Megan Burke, already a guest on the podcast before, of course, and former player Mana Shim are here to discuss the launch of the Players Association's new initiative. It's an emergency fund for the current players of the NWSL and any former player of WUSA WPS or NWSL who joins the PA in their new category of membership. Now it's called Support the Players National Emergency Trust. It's a new fund that is designed to allow players to cover emergency expenses, though that could be anything from unforeseen car repairs to mental health resources to costs incurred if a player is traded suddenly. 
The new trust, which has 501c3 status pending, is going to be overseen by four trustees. Tracy DeForge, who's founder of The Players Impact. Donna Cohen, who's a leading lawyer and advocate for women. Stacey Enos, who played on the first ever U.S. Women's National Team and helped win UNC's first three NCAA championships. And Kelsey Davis, a former WPS player and trained chaplain. So I'm going to really let Megan introduce this. And we've got Megan and Mana. So, Megan, let's let's start with you because we've got some news to to kind of go with this podcast. So I want to start people off so that way we actually know what we're talking about. There's a new initiative from the NWSL Players Association. So if you could explain it to folks who are listening, we can start there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having us on. And of course, it's great to be here with you, Mana. Thank you. Um, so the Players Association is launching an emergency and charitable fund. Uh, it is called the uh, Support the Players Net, uh, NET for National Emergency Trust. And this is going to be a fund that is available to fund um, players in need. And that can be interpreted broadly. Um, the idea kind of came around when we launched the No More Side Hustles campaign earlier this year. And we kept hearing these stories about players who could not afford an emergency um, and, you know, can't meet basic living expenses on their salaries in NWSL. Um, we're creating this 501c3 because we know there are a lot of fans and supporters out there who want to be part of the solution. And so it's a, a, an opportunity to make a tax deductible donation through this website, uh, supporttheplayers.net. Um, and every dollar goes directly into players' pockets. It's administered by four trustees. We can talk about that in a minute. But, um, you know, it's it's truly just for players uh, to support them in a crisis. And I can think of, you know, few greater examples of what a crisis might look like than what players have been through this year. Um, and so that fund will be available to players. Uh, true move cost is a barrier to accessing things like mental health resources, um, you know, a car repair, um, you know, say you get traded and you got to put your two little boys in an airplane at the last minute unexpectedly, you know, there's a wide range of emergency needs that this fund uh, could meet. And so we're, we're really excited to roll this out. And then Mana, how did you get involved in, in trying to, you know, I, I remember a couple of tweets that you've had kind of in the aftermath of all of the reporting, just in terms of even, you know, Megan just talked about mental health resources, but therapy was a big, a big focus of, of what you were talking about. So how did you kind of get wrapped into this? Yeah, good question. So I, <laughs> I reached out to Megan, because I had all of these um, messages coming in to my inbox asking what people could do, you know, they were so concerned. Um, and they wanted to help the players. They wanted to help me. They wanted to help current players. And I didn't have a good answer. My answer was kind of like, um, you know, keep tweeting about this, <laughs> keep supporting us. You know, every demonstration is helpful. But then I thought about like materially what, what would actually be helpful. And, um, and I just thought of mental health resources. I, throughout this whole season and just this process of talking through these stories and players coming forward, I've really been concerned about individuals. And the reason why is because I've been through this and I know what it feels like to tell a story that's painful and vulnerable. Um, 
and then what comes after that, you know? So I, I really recognize the need for mental health support. Um, for me, it's personal because I'm, I'm diagnosed with mental illness. So it's a little different, but I, I spent a lot of time when I was playing soccer, professional soccer, trying to find a decent therapist and people who have found therapy know that it's not, um, <laughs> it's not the easiest thing. Um, it's not one size fits all. Like you definitely have to shop around and an added component to that is what can you afford? Who's in network with your insurance? And if they're out of network, can you, do you have the funds to, to go see them? Um, and so that's a, a huge barrier for players when they're, when they're trying to get mental health support. And just in this situation, I think it's so clear that that's something um, of substance that we could do to help, to help the individuals through this moment. And, and also push, push back a little bit, push the league in, in talking about this and actually looking at um, the specific insurance plans that they have and what, how they compensate um, therapists, because that was, a, that was a big hurdle I, I had to work through and it's not easy. Insurance is a pain in the butt. Um, and I eventually found someone that I love and I still work with. She's incredible and she helped me actually tell this story. I couldn't have told this story without her. So I know how valuable and important therapy is. That's a very long answer. Sorry. <laughs> it's totally fine though. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think what's really interesting is just, you know, obviously all three of us this year, I think have had kind of a very intense year in very different ways. And I, what I have found really interesting though, in a good way is how, all of these paths are starting to cross and we're starting to see new ideas come out of these paths crossing and and stuff like this exactly where we're just getting into conversations that before we weren't really having of what's actually going to help right now. What do we need right now? And that that's what this feels like to me. That's exactly right. You know, the players association itself, we, you know, have a sports psychologist who's available to players and still, of course. Um, but I think one of the really important things when you listen to Mana, you understand like players know what they need. And so what they need to get the thing they know they need is money in their pocket. Um, you know, we don't need to be prescriptive about here's the therapist you need to see, or here's the sports psychologist you need to see. If those resources are available and that works for players, that's great. But at, at the end of the day, what Mana's describing is the ability to like go find the person that meet, that met her need and it wasn't going to come from the league, the team, the PA. Um, but by removing cost as a barrier, I think our shared hope is that it will make mental health treatment more accessible because, you know, given you just described what the three of us have been through it, quite frankly, you know, 250 NWSL players have been through it um, each of their own particular way. And so, you know, I'm really grateful to Mana for elevating this issue and talking about it so openly because I hope that it will encourage others um, to know that there's a resource out there to remove this cost as a barrier and to access mental health treatment um, as we all seek to kind of work through this moment that we're in. Just in terms of the, the trustees, because I know that you brought that up, um, if you could walk through kind of how, I guess, maybe logistically this might work, but mm -hmm. also who these trustees are. Yeah, sure. So... So fans, sponsors, donors can go to supporttheplayers.net and click on a button that will allow them to donate. Um, and 
I got two more to go. Um, then there will be a player portal where players can submit an application. Um, and it's a straightforward application. The idea is to make it simple um, and to be generous with these funds. Um, there are four trustees. So I do not administer these funds. There are four independent trustees that will manage these funds. And when we selected the, these four trustees, it felt important to create a group, a team um, of people who would be good at, about responding to player needs who are in crisis. Um, one of our trustees is Tracy DeForge, who's the chairperson of our advisory board. She launched the Players Impact and has a wealth of experience with startups um, and you know creative ideas around getting something off the ground. So that's a helpful skill set. Another trustee is Donna Cohen, who's a, an attorney based in Boston. Of course, you know I have a fondness for lawyers. It's important to have a lawyer in the mix to make sure that we follow um, the trust documents and that these funds are administered responsibly. Um, but then we also have Stacey Enos, who played in the first ever U.S. Women's National Team game in 1985. She's an OG. So she sort of, you know, bridges the gap across the generations, which feels important as the PA is kind of building out our infrastructure um, to connect people to where we come from. And then our fourth trustee is Kelsey Davis, who is herself a former player, goalkeeper, um, played for the Chicago Red Stars and Boston Breakers. Um, and she is an ordained minister and uh, works with athletes in crisis currently. And so the four of them are real, as a collective, just a really strong group. Um, and we feel will be you know, the right for people to, to help this fund get off the ground and also just be available to players as a resource um, as we get this, this project moving. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Mana, just in terms of, you know, obviously your time in the NWSL, just I've, I've had a lot of conversations even this week thinking back to kind of the 2013, 2014, 2015 era, right? And how different that felt compared to right now. And granted, you know, your time ended um, before the current edition of the league, but, you know, you were at the championship and I think have kind of seen the you know, attempt at a newer NWSL. And I'm just, I'm kind of wondering your viewpoint in terms of as these things kind of come into the league and it's not necessarily league driven, but, <laughs> you know, player association driven, player driven kind of stuff. Where do you, you know, thinking back to that 2013 season, like, I mean, honestly, like the two of us were babies, right? Like everybody was super young. No one really knew what they were doing. Do you think that there is kind of a, a path here where some of these resources can come in and players are going to feel like they can actually use these things? 
Yes, it's it's so different. So I would the way I would describe it is that those early years, I felt like all of the professionalism that I experienced was only because of the players. I mean, I was fortunate because I played for Portland and obviously they had the most resources and they um, they took care of us in a lot of ways, but I was still making like $11,000, you know? And to me, that was good. Like I was happy that I, we at least had a league and I could play. But Rachel Bueller, Van Hollebeck, Alex, Sink, um, so many players, even KK, like so many players looked after me and they just gave me very practical advice and um, financially. And they also like took me out for dinner regularly. Like Rach would not let me pay for dinner. Um, so I felt like I had it. I was a little safer and I was able to play in that sense, especially the first year. The next two years, for obvious reasons that we already know, were, were really difficult. Um, but yeah, I would say the culture and the professionalism was only because of the older players that created it for me. And they were federation players. I don't know if that's what they were called then. Um, yeah, but they played for the national team and, and they, ha- they understood what that was like to be professionals. Just in terms of like a, the resources coming in, yeah. right? where the players are still kind of driving this though, yeah. right? Like to your point, players were, were already keeping this, the, the league <laughs> functioning, right. right? In those early days. And now we see again, the fact that a PA initiative is going to kind of force change in a meaningful way. Yeah. It's, it's kind of shocking that we're still here and there's no structure around this. Like I think of what it's like to be an employee somewhere and this just isn't it you know it's a really hard place to be an employee um and even more so because of all the shifting the the free agency not lack of free agency you know like um there are a lot of things that are unstable and it's nice to see not programs but you know mechanisms that make players feel stable and ways to um to demonstrate that we're actually trying to make changes in that way. And I, I did have, so my experience with, with people, like the way I was supported was people literally in Portland would anonymously buy me dinner. And I was like, so grateful. I thought it was the nicest thing, but that's the only way I was able to keep playing. Like I was completely broke. Um, and I think of emergencies, sorry, I'm going back here, but when, when Megan said there are a whole number of possibilities, you know, like what kind of emergencies are we talking about? I'm obviously very passionate about mental health resources. And I think, especially right now in this moment, they're vital, but like how many players have lost their parents, you know, like while they were playing and I remember being in Portland in the off season, my dad passed away. I had to get on a flight and I didn't have the money in my bank account to buy a flight home, you know, and my family's at home working through all of the the trauma. And I didn't feel like I could ask them to, to buy me a flight. I, I honestly think like, I don't know who ended up buying my flight. It might've been Alex to be honest, but um, yeah, just that, 
that was so unsettling and that made it so real that if something came up, I truly couldn't afford it. And if I could afford it, it was because I had very kind people in my life who were willing to support me and take care of me. Um, but I don't think players should have to rely on that, of course. It, it is a little um, disappointing that it's coming from the PA. I, I don't like that the PA has to work as hard as they do. I think <laughs> the job should be, I don't know, less than what they do. Yeah. They're doing too much. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the, <laughs> the it's constant. It's an honor to do it. It's, it's tough. It's, uh, yeah. But no, I mean, you know, it's players looking out for players. You know, what the PA is doing is systematizing something that's always been true in NWSL and in the sport. What Mana's describing, you know, that's solidarity and that's what a union is. And, and so, you know, that's what this fund is designed for is to be there for players, to, to be that safety net. Um, just, you know, the reason for the name is, is to be a place that um, players don't feel as vulnerable because they're broke, um, that they know there will, someone will have their back. Um, and this, and I should point out too, that, you know, one thing we haven't been able to, with everything happening this season, kind of do a proper announcement or rollout, but we have now included as a membership category in the players association, former players, all former players are eligible to join the players association. And, you know, so former players are eligible for this too. Um, obviously the trustees will be responsible for administering the funds responsibly and making sure that it goes to the greatest need. Um, but I think that's really important because what Mana just described, it does not surprise me at all. You know, as a former player, like I was on the receiving end of the, car ride and the the dinner or the, you know, doing your laundry at somebody's house, you know, or, or whatever. Um, you know, we look out for each other and that's what this is really about. Mana, just as a, as a former player who can now be a member of the players association, right? Like maybe not, maybe not a, a voting member of the union or anything, but just in terms of still being able to have a voice in the organization, does that, does that feel good right now? Yeah, it feels great. I, I feel honored. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but it makes me think about the players who even came before me, you know, and, and it's, it really does honor them and recognize everything they contributed to, to this moment. Like there were so many players who played in the, even the previous leagues, um, whose insight is still valuable. I mean, I, I still talk to some players and ask them like, what was it like? What do you think we need to do differently? And that perspective is so um, valuable and important, especially because I don't think it should be solely on the players right now, the current players in the union, to have to come up with these things. Like now that I can see it at a distance, I, I have a better idea of um, not just what needs to be done, but how we can actually make it happen. It's also very, very scary when you're in the league, you're not making enough money and you're like, hey, this is an idea. <laughs> Maybe you can give us a little more here or there, you know? Um, so I, I do think it's it's a special opportunity and I'm really grateful and I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've seen, you know, individual teams starting to push a little bit more. I mean, obviously Angel City has kind of gotten that rep um, as an expansion team a bit, but, you know, I look at, at a team like, uh, racing Louisville, right. Providing fertility benefits and, and honestly trying to, I think, force some hands, right. Or have 
an employee that is dedicated to uh, players, like actually their experiences within the team itself, right? Which I think, again, back to 2013, and even that position as a concept seems like, really? We'll, we'll have that? A whole person just dedicated to player experience within the NWSL? Like, it, it is kind of, sometimes I do kind of have to sit and be like, no, there there has been progress. Like, there's still a lot to come, but we've gotten somewhere. <laughs> Just a little bit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, there are, there are still plenty of, like, things to get fixed. But, you know, I think that as people start to push on all of these kind of various spots. But, Megan, for you, like, just in terms of having former players' voices in the mix, right? Like, we, we're starting to also see them in the league in a way that is, you know, way more than we had, I think, seen in, in previous leagues. Like, you have someone like Karina LeBlanc coming in or, or Rian Wilkinson coming in in Portland. You have Angel City bringing in a whole bunch of former players as owners. But what does it provide for the union? Yeah, I mean, I think the perspective is invaluable, right? Like, we need to know our history. Um, we talk a lot about you know, this was the ninth season of NWSL, but there were three, season in, three seasons in WPS before that, three seasons in WSA before that, years between where we had a lot to learn from, years before that where, you know, you hear the stories from the 99ers and before that, like my friend Stacey Enos, um, who played in the first ever game in 1985 and they were stitching their own patches on the jersey. And, you know, just these stories are really, it's where we come from. And I think players need to know that history, but a piece of knowing where you came from is also knowing um, how far backwards we've gone in some areas. And so I've told this story before and Meg, you, know, you can stop me if you've heard it before, but um, you know, the minimum salary in NWSL today, as it stands is $22,000 in the year 2021. And I've told the story about being a rookie in preseason in the WSA and they called this, you know, all player conference call and we had a union and, you know, our leaders brought us together to say we all need to take pay cuts um, in order to keep this league afloat. And John Legel's on the phone kind of walking everyone through it. And they fought to keep everyone from falling below a certain salary threshold. And you probably know the answer to this. I love playing this trivia game. Do you know what the salary was that we fought for in 2003? I want to say it was it was somewhere in the range of 40 question mark i know it's in my brain somewhere but it's been a I, because i unfortunately went looking at wps history recently yeah. so i feel like that has now kind of sat in on my uh wsa <laughs> knowledge right no the i mean the minimum salary that that you know julie fowdy and carlo overbeck and Meham fought to protect in 2003 was twenty five thousand dollars. okay 25 in 2003 dollars yeah which is $3,000 more 18 years ago than the league minimum now, which the vast majority of players are on. So that's a piece of knowing our history is coming to understand that each time we had to rebuild the league, we went backwards, you know? And, and I think when you, when Mana and Sinead so courageously came out and Kaya came out and told their stories, a lot of that was um, breaking through the barrier of like fear that if we spoke out, it would cause this league um, damage, right? And yeah. and and that, that that fear is real um, and grounded in experience, and and it's totally legitimate. But it's also um, been held over players in this way as 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 a you know a fear tactic. And 
part of that is bre breaking through that, knowing where we've been, because we can get at least back to that point and build back better. I mean, we see, to your point, um, we see Angel City coming in, Kansas City's building their own training facility and an NWSL specific venue. Racing Louisville is getting fertility. I mean, like, it's a race to the top now. And, and that's the thing that I think this season is get when we look back on, I hope anyway, at some point that this will have seen this as an inflection point in many ways, but one of them being, we're no longer racing to the bottom. How cheaply can we do this? And what bare minimums can we just scrape by on, but how can we actually become the club that everyone wants to play for by providing something more than the minimum. And, you yeah. know, we are in the midst of the CBA negotiation. We'd hope to have it done by the year end of the year. And it's not looking like that's going to happen. We still have much more to fight for. Um, but when it's done, it's going to, that CBA is going to create a minimum. There's still going to be a competitive incentive to do better, right? Than the framework mm -hmm. that that will provide. Um, and I think, I don't know how many season tickets uh, Angel City has sold as of today, but it's got to be, I think at this point, 13,000 or something. I mean, they've sold more season tickets than most teams average in attendance at this point. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with the culture they're creating of setting a, a much higher bar and standard in our league that I think is going to be the bar all teams are going to have to strive for in the future. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah, Mon, I know we talked a lot about that kind of sustainability and, and trying to set that aside, right, in terms of a player feeling obligated of, you know, I think that there is, to your point, some power in having distance between playing and then being able to talk about being a player in this league. And, um, you know, I, I remember just even one of our conversations, Angel, Angel City really came up as kind of this idea of it could be different. But what do you do you think that there's something to players finally getting out of out from under this concept of like, oh, we have to protect the league? I hope so. I hope they see, we all see that it's sustainable because this was like, we rocked it, you know, not just me, not just me. Like there were a lot of us in so many ways. And it's an opportunity for us to call out all of the injustices and all of the problems and really rebuild, but somehow maintain, you know, the PA, the league, we're still playing. Um, yeah, but it takes so much work. We have to be really diligent and careful and we have to get to the root of all the problems, which we still haven't done. Um, you know, there are little tweets here and there, but we're, <laughs> we're not really addressing all of the issues. And I think we need to continue that work 
And I, it's also work that shouldn't um, be on the shoulders of the current players. So that's, I think, where we all come in. And I'm glad former players are getting involved. Just the number of former players who reached out to me when, when the story broke, um, it was incredible. And I really felt like there was solidarity there and the support I needed and the investment. Um, but it's still scary. I mean, it's scary because that's your employer. And as much as you feel support from other players, you're still pushing up against an oppressive, powerful, um, I guess, yeah, like your leader is not, is not on your side always, you know? And when you call that out, it's like, what the heck is going to happen? And I think that still happens within individual teams. Maybe there's less like, oh, if I do this, I'm going to be gone from the league forever, which is something I felt. I felt like I couldn't talk about it at my club or another club. I didn't feel like I could bring it up to, you know, anyone on a lot of my teammates or the top people, like the, I'm not going to mention names, but, but all of the people who are high up at the league, like there wasn't a safe way to go about it. And now at least there, there are places like entry points where I think people really feel safe. And if, if they don't know, they know that they can ask us, you know, I've made it very clear. Like this is a place you can go. If you don't feel comfortable with anonymous reporting, if you don't feel comfortable going to the PA, um, if there's something going on and you're, you're trying to figure it out, like we're still here for each other in that sense as players. So I think that's easier. And then also just seeing the, the collective, like I was shocked like the biggest shock to me and this is not meant to be offensive to any of the players or the PA but just that the players were supportive because I remember when we were trying to do um Black Lives Matter demonstrations three years ago you know I can't remember how many years ago but it was a while ago and Portland the players were quiet nobody wanted to rock the boat and I certainly didn't want to rock the boat in this situation because I didn't know how it was going to be received. So just seeing the players and I, I think about who the leaders are on each of those teams because they're so instrumental. They're the ones who, who pass along the information, you know, and, and they say, this is important. Here's why this is what we're going to do. And that creates a culture of people actually, um, they know what they can stand for because other people are with them. And I think that's the first time this has happened. Every other time someone's spoken up and, and said, here's a problem, they've tried to make them go away. They tried to silence me, make me go away, trade someone. So it's it's very different now. Um, and I hope it it's not, it's not just in our league. We see that other people are feeling comfortable speaking out in other spaces. Yeah. I, I think it's getting better. Yeah. Um, Megan, just in terms of the immediate uh, launch, I know obviously donations are are welcome, but like, what's kind of the first 24, 48 hours of this fund looking like for you? Yeah. Um, so we have our website, supporttheplayers.net, that has been built and will be published Um you know, probably live by the time this podcast runs. And so, um, you know, the most important thing is getting the word out, you know, that's huge because we need people to know it exists and where to go 
to support it. We obviously need to raise money for it. Um, so the plan is to spend the next three to four weeks um, really doing a concerted effort. Our goal would be to raise $100,000 within the first month to put that money into a fund that can be readily accessible to players. And then I would anticipate beginning January 15th, we hope that applications will start running in and we can get our four trustees to work reviewing them. Um, you know, we're, it's a 501c3, so it's a tax deduct deductible um, contribution, but we also got to make sure that you know, we, we are following all the IRS code and rules around how those funds are administered, which is why those trustees are so important. Um, and that fund will continue to exist for as long as it's necessary. You know, we, it does have a charitable component. So someday we can pivot. And when, you know, NWSL is uh, printing money, we can give it away to someone else who needs it. But we don't anticipate that's going to happen in the next couple of years anyway. So, um, you know, we do see a utility to the fund uh, imminently. And, and uh, we really want players to take advantage of it. I would love to have a problem where we're successful in raising the, our, we're hitting our goal. And then we have to go out and raise it, turn around and fundraise it right again. You know, the goal is for that money to get in the players' pockets. So we'd love to see it get spent down um, supporting players and their needs. Put it this way. I, I hear player stories all the time and, and I just, I know the need is there, you know, um, like I said, the, the range of need is broad. It's like, you know, someone finds out their apartment is infested with mold. They need to move out, need to get a security deposit for, you know, a new apartment or again, you know, airplane tickets for a family crisis, new tires on a car and you can't afford it. And you got to be able to get to training and, and games and whatnot. You know, the, the emergency need can be interpreted pretty broadly. Um, so we would really love people's help and, you know, reposting. We're going to put it on our socials, retweeting, reposting. I would really love to get the word out to former players to please join us, be part of what we're doing. You know, they already are. We stand on their shoulders. And I'm so thrilled that Mana is uh, now a member, you know, former player member. Um, and so we'd love to get more former players involved. They signed a contract in WSA, WPS, or NWSL. They're eligible. That's it. That's the criteria. So we really want to grow our reach. Thank you so much. Megan, I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I wanted to say one thing. Um, sorry. I want to, uh, as a player, a former player, and thinking about what this feels like as a, a player, if this were happening, it's kind of embarrassing that we don't make much money. And it's it's hard to ask for it. Like, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. You know, I don't want to have to apply for something um, because I don't know if I deserve it or whatever, you know, and I, I just want to encourage the players to see this in, in a different way, because I mean, if you think about it, we right now, this, this year, there were only 10 teams in the league, but there are people all over the country, all over the world who are, who are interested, who support NWSL teams and can't make games, you know, and it's an opportunity for those people to contribute. Um, so there are just a lot of different ways this is going to come in and I want them to see it more of like, it really reminds me of um, like institutions, like educational institutions asking for money, you know, like my college asked me multiple times a year for money and Santa Clara doesn't need it. But it, it's that same model, you know, of like, yes, when I start making a salary as an attorney, hopefully, um, I will definitely be getting back to this fund, you know? So it's just what, where it's coming from is not just, we feel sorry for you. We're going to give you money. It's let's build something. Let's make this stronger. So 
everybody's taken care of, you know, and it's, yeah, I just want to say that. Thank you, Mana. That was that was beautifully said. I think that's the the perfect place to end where that nice little note of solidarity. Yeah, which is truly the theme. Yes, so much love. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thank you to the both of them for their time, especially as Mana is in the middle of finals at law school. So there is truly so much going on. If you want more information on this or if you want to support the players via this emergency fund, the link is supporttheplayers.net. There will be a link in today's show notes as well. All right. For all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all of the major podcast platforms in one spot plus more information you can subscribe to the athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage right now at theathletic.com slash full time my name is meg you've been listening to full time with meg linehan you can always find me on twitter and instagram at it's meg linehan and my work at the athletic though i also after this week am going to slowly slide my way on in into holiday mode Full-time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman from The Athletic. I'm Meg. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.